Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 13 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave, and in this episode I get to chat to a guy who I've seen many times in concert, and every time, without fail, he's never let me down. I'm so excited to chat to this guy. We talked about monsters of rock. We talked about tattoos. We talked about ex-wives. We talked about all sorts of stuff that I'm just dying for you to listen to. So I'm going to shut up so you can do just that. So please sit back, relax, get comfortable and get ready to rock and roll forever as I spend 60 minutes with James Kotak. Right, James, thank you. Um, wow, I'm so thrilled to chat with you. You're a guy who I've seen live many times, to, so, you know, to finally get the chance to sit down and have a bit of a chat with you is, is exciting, to say the very least. Well, thank you, Dave. Likewise, you know, it's, uh, I was looking forward to the, talking to you too, so here we are. And it's been a busy time recently for you as well, I take it. You've been like, with Scorpion's new album, among other things that's been happening lately. Yeah, we um, uh, actually, I did most of my tracks back in like, uh, no. October, November, around then. But I mean, pretty much every month since uh, August, I mean, there's been something going on and uh, it's a lot of traveling. It is. I mean, what is it? You're currently in Germany. Where are you going when you leave Germany? I just go back to LA for a couple of weeks. Um, right now, what we're doing is we're doing pre pre production. Uh, we're basically or- the, the two producers, Martin and Michael, who uh, are the producers for the last four albums. They've come over to Rudolph's studio where me and Rudolph and um, our bass player, we're dissecting the new songs, the five or so new songs we're going to play. And then we're actually going back and giving all all the old ones a facelift as well. So, um, and that's where we need help from producers because we're like so, you know, married to these songs, the older ones. It's so hard to come up with new stuff. So we all get together and we've had a great week and just, Wow, the new stuff is great, and the old stuff got a facelift. Oh, wow, that sounds really good. When can people expect to hear all of these as well? Well, we, um, I think our first show, we are, the tour starts May 1st in China. We've never been there, and, uh, but we, it's a huge festival, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And then, um, and then we start in Europe, I think, in Czech, do a couple shows, Czech, Poland, and then we go to Russia again. And um, then it just goes on and on from there, you know, a lot of European stuff. And um, we actually, we're coming to England, this, of course, this summer, which mm-hmm. I'm super excited about. You are, yes. Though, I mean, I remember, well, I mean, while we're talking Scorpions, the first time I saw Scorpions was, I think it was 82 on the Blackout Tour. Seen you, oh, wow. Seen them loads of times since. Uh, I think wow. the last time I caught you... I think it was 2007 on the Humanity Hour tour. Um, it was at Wolverhampton. And I'll, I'll tell it to you now, James, and this, in all honesty, uh, myself and my good lady went to, went to see you on that tour. And we both said, as much as we love Klaus, as much as we love Rudolf, Matthias, you stole the show that night. We both looked at oh, each wow. other and said, you really stole the show. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. I really appreciate hearing that. But, you know, it, uh, you know, Rudolf, Klaus, Matthias, they make me who I am as well. So, but thank you. That's really good to hear. Well, it's great. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I mean, is there any chance of like a full UK tour coming up? I mean, I know you're not in charge of things like this, but is there any sort of word in the background about this? You know what? We all love England so much. And our the new album, Return to Forever, actually is the highest charting album for Scorpions in uh, England since like, I think since Crazy World in 1990. So Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's a good thing. So hopefully that'll lead to some more shows. Um, and, you know, I, it, we just, I love it there, you know. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, we always welcome Scorpions with open arms yeah. as well, you know, and rightly so. So we should. I mean, because you've got it tough because Scorpions just don't stop. You're always, you're either recording or you're on the road. That must, you know, that must be hell for you. Well, hell not, hell and heaven, you know, it's... it's, it's it is. It's heaven and sword. hell. <laughs> But you know what? This is the one thing a lot of people don't realize about Scorpions is, unlike other bands who, you know, sometimes like, uh, I mean, name a, a big band, they'll say, well, we're, go- we're on hiatus for five or six years. Scorpions has never done that. I mean, there's been a few slow years here and there. Last year was kind of slow. But for the most part, it's just been a consistent, consistent band, just like, you know, Motorhead's one of those bands. They just mm-hmm. don't stop. And you as a drummer as well, I mean, surely that's the most physical part of the band is when you're drumming for it. What do, what do you have to do to, you know, to keep in some sort of physical shape to give it what you do every night? 
Well, I mean, years ago, I used to drink a lot. <laughs> and, uh, but no, in the last, you know, in the like last 10 years, I, I got pretty good about like, you know, a lot of walking, things like that. Um, in the last four years, I've been riding my bicycle a lot when I'm home because I live in Los Angeles and it's sunny and mild year round. And, um, you know, when we're on the road, you know, I go down and, and go hit the gym and stuff because we're always in, you know, these hotels and there's usually a gym and or just try to take a walk and just do something not too strenuous. But um, this last year, though, I did uh, I got back with a, my per, a personal trainer because, man, I'm like the guy. I'm, I don't want to go to the gym. I hate it. <laughs> you know, so uh, I signed back up and because I had time to do it. And this trainer just kicked my ass. I did about 48 sessions with him. And then I kind of burnt out around November, and uh, then the Christmas came, and I got lazy. So, but I'm I'm in pretty good shape, you know. I'm feeling good. Oh yeah, it's it's like I said with you know when we last saw you, the the energy you put into a show. Have you got any sort of pre-show set routine that you go through? Man, you know what? I've for for the longest time, for at least twenty years, I've been I do a lot of stretching, like yoga style moves. But like I'm not meditating or anything like that. I mean, I just literally do a lot of stretching before the show, and uh, then uh, the usual, you know, jumping jacks and things to get your heart rate up right before we go on, and then wham, bam, you know, because it's a long set. So the first few songs you're kind of getting warmed up with the groove, and then you know, once I'm an hour in, I could go for another three hours. So, <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, honestly, to not to use a cliche, but man, you really feed off the audience, man. You know, if I had an audience at the gym, dude, I'd be there every day. But anyway. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it must be such such an adrenaline rush, though, to be up on stage and all these thousands of people just screaming at you for, you know, like a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, honestly, that that is the biggest part of, ow, I got a cramp in my leg. <laughs> and that's why, I, I, that's why, you know, people don't stop. You wonder, well, what's, what's McCartney doing still up there or Stones? But, man, it's the ultimate drug. You can never get enough of it. And it just, it, that's where I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm at home and stuff. Is, is this something happened with Scorpions, though? Because we know as fans, they, were, they announced it with their farewell, farewell tour. A few years yeah. ago, and then it got to the stage. Okay, the the stories were we're enjoying this too much, so why say farewell? And me for one, I'm glad that they did, and you're still carrying on. Is it because you know it's just so good when you're up on stage? And again, going back to the last time that I saw you, I don't think Scorpion sounded ever as good as that night as well. You just keep sounding better and better. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm super proud. The band, I think, in the last ten years, sounds better than than it did the ten years prior. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's um, though, though, to, just to address the uh, farewell tour thing, that was kind of our managers pushing us that way at the time. And, uh, you know, he's like, going, guys, you know what? You're not getting any younger. You're 60 something. And, you know, you should go out on top. And then, you know, I have this great musical set up that we're going to get together. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, uh, but, you know, it sounded like a good idea at the time, the first year. And we were actually like, counting down. We were like, oh, God, man, we only got so many shows left. Then the second year, we started going, yeah, wow. Hmm. And as we were getting closer to the end, more offers started coming in. Offers from, you know, just everywhere. And it got to be so obvious that, like, there's no reason to stop. And it just gradually went that direction. So, and honestly, what are we going to do? <laughs> what else, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go home and, and cook and ride my bike. <laughs> Well, you've been with the band since 96, haven't you? So it's yeah. been, it must have been a wild ride so far. Dude, I mean, I, I, I couldn't be any any thankful and grateful to be with. First of all, the, the reason this band is still together and the reason I'm still here is because it really is a great bunch of guys. You know, Rudolph, Klaus, Matthias, and of, of course our bass player, Pavel. But, you know, it's it really is like a rock and roll. It's my second family, my rock and roll family. We're actually friends. You know, we have our disagreements here and there, but for the most part, we're on the road. After the show, we're back at the hotel. We're having dinner downstairs, you know, and um, you don't have, find very many bands like that. And, uh, you know, they're my best friends and sometimes my worst enemies. Because <laughs> road, yeah. life, road life must be tough. I know we've, as fans, again, we've got some sort of rose-tinted view of what it's like, but it, it's got to be bloody hard work. Yeah, you know the, the the traveling is what's torture. The shows are are incredible, uh, but you know it's just getting from point A to point B that's so that takes it out of you and the time zones and the changes and the the this and but for the most part we're really fortunate. We stay in super badass hotels, 
we're we're taken care of really really good so it's really kind of hard to complain honestly tell you the truth and you said and, you, were, you said you were playing china as well is there any other places that you've not been to before that you'd like to play oh my god australia can you believe it oh wow yeah We've never been to Australia, and we're working on it. We've tried and tried and tried. So that's that's at the top of the list. And of course, to get back to England, and um, but yeah, there's there's quite a few places. Uh, I think in total, we've played something like seventy six countries or something like that, if not more. And um, there's still more places. We've never been to like South Africa, and you know, there's a whole list of places. Do you ever really get time when you're out on tour to? see the places that you're touring i know especially if you you know you're playing one night in one and the next night is hundreds of miles away but if you've got a couple of nights in one place do you ever get the chance to go out and, and have a look around where you are you know absolutely some of the cities you know you've been through you've been to so many times you just kind of go oh well, i kind of know what's out there and you kind of stay at the hotel and chill out and you know there's always other things to do too you, there's business to keep up on personal business and you know uh when you do have a day off, you kind of want to just lounge and, and catch up on rest. But, you know, when I'm in a new city or, you know, Paris or who knows where, um, you know, I always manage to get out at least for some kind of a walk or something. The only place where it's kind of difficult, honestly, is Russia. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a really crazy fan base there. And you, it's kind of hard to go out. And, uh, and honestly, some of the cities are just... I mean, they've really, it's come a long way, but some of the cities are just not, they, they don't lend themselves to you just going, I'm going to go for a walk because you got to take a bodyguard and it's a pain in the ass. Oh, God. But, I mean, you know, I'm always up to going out and exploring and stuff. Plus, it's good exercise. Oh, yeah. I mean, Scorpions obviously are huge in the hometown, the home country, I should say, of, of Germany. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think once Wind of Change hit and like Russia embraced that song so closely and yeah. it's like, that's what really took it off in Russia, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, Russia, we, we actually did the first uh, Russian national tour in two, in the year 2001. And we did, uh, I think we did 18 cities over a period of like like four to five weeks, six weeks. It was brutal, dude. And these cities were like, it was like so not set up for rock and roll, everything. But, you know, we came back again like about five years later and these cities overnight man had transformed themselves and now we go you don't even recognize them what they look like in 2001 it's like one year in in russian cities life is like three or four years of, in our life oh, wow. it's crazy. it must be so good to see changes like that happening now yeah i mean you know it's positive and it's good to see the moving forward and stuff but mostly what's so cool is basically the people are the same everywhere you go you know there's good people and there's bad of course but you know, we're fortunate we have a lot of really good, loyal fans. And, man, they're, you know, we have a chance to meet them and stuff sometimes outside the hotel. And it's it's pretty neat, man. What's it like after all these years of being a musician and playing in some great bands when, you know, you still get fans, you know, like myself, if I ever got to meet you and go, oh, can I have a picture, can I have your autograph mm -hmm. and all that? What, how does it feel, to, you know, on a personal level like that for you? Well, you know, it, it's it's always... You first, you kind of go, well, gosh, don't they have anything better to do than <laughs> But like for the most part, most of the fans like in Russia are, are they're they're like twenty five and under. I mean, it, we have a very young fan base in not just Russia, but in a lot of the world. And um, but man, you know, it's always flattering that somebody would take the time and want want my signature on something. Like really, I have a photo with me. I'm like, dude, I'm just a guy. I poop every day like you. But. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, it's always flattering and you, I never get tired of it, you know. It's interesting as well, what you said about the fans being so young, the way that bands like Scorpions and bands dating back, you know, into the 80s and into the 70s and, and further there, who are still going and, and have got that longevity that a lot of the, the sort of flash in the pan bands today haven't, the, the pre-manufactured bands. And the, the way that you're still drawing in new young fans, and it's generation after generation, and now rediscovering Scorpions, I think is you know amazing as a fan since you know the, like the late seventies that I am. Yeah, well, it's crazy. Even you know, I, this I look at the Scorpions as in you know three, 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 and, and thirds. The first third of the band was 1965 till 1979. That was with you know Rudolph Uli, John Roth, Michael Schenker, and you know uh, the other guys. Then Matthias came into the band, and uh, that's the, the, the was the modern Scorpions that exploded in 1979 onward with the, all the hit records. Then I, I came into the band in '96, 
And from that point on, I, I saw, saw it as a different band. And um, it's it's really interesting when you go when you come to our shows. You see a lot of gray-haired people sitting up in the stands. You see a lot of middle-aged people and like forty-year-olds who bring their kids. And then down on the floor, you've got you know four or five thousand crazy, you know, sixteen, eighteen-year-olds. It's like nuts, but it keeps it interesting. Oh yeah, it must do. It must do. Yeah. And you, you, am I right in saying you first came into contact with Scorpions? Was it eighty-eight at the Monsters of Rock Festival? Yeah, my band Kingdom Come. Uh, we were opening. Get this lineup: Kingdom Come opened, then Metallica came on, then Dokken, then Scorpions, then Van Halen. What a day! That was <laughs> holy a, shit. That's great. I know, thirty-three city tour. And I have to say, one of the one of the most exciting things for me on that tour was watching Metallica. Right, they were just totally exploding that year, and uh, that was super excitement. And um, but then also, I got to be friends with Scorpions. We we were on the same label together, and we hung out a lot. We'd go to dinners a lot. And then um, thereafter, uh, I did an album with Michael Schenker, we, uh, Macaulay Schenker anyway. And then also the Scorpions came to L.A. and did the Crazy World album with one the producer, Keith Second Kingdom Come album. I hope you're taking notes. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I'd go and hang out at the studio and I met him again then. And then, you know, rock and roll is a really small world. And... Uh, um, so it was, you know, it wasn't totally surprising when they called me in 95. Um, they called me the year before about, you know, I played on some tracks of theirs. But then I didn't hear anything back. And then they called and said, hey, you want to come over and play? And I was like, uh, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that must not have taken long to think about, surely. Yeah, actually, I did think about it for a day or two because I was really settled into my, my life at that point and at being at home and stuff and uh you know, and but I really did have to think about it for a day. What's it like? Uh, when you, what's it like when you go from one band to another? Then, uh, we were you really familiar with the Scorpion song? How long did it take to learn? You know, your drum parts for all of the songs. Well, you know what? I, I grew up uh, in the Midwest, like in Kentucky, and um, back in the, like the early '80s and uh, late '70s, early '80s. You know, you made your money, and you didn't didn't play original songs. You play cover songs. Yeah. So I was in a cover band, played in bars five, six nights a week. You know, three sets a night, and then your top forty. And then I played in. You know, I was in a metal band, and we played, we played like five, six Scorpion songs. We played the Zoo, No One Like You, Rocky Like a Hurricane, Big City Nights. You know, so um, by the time years went by, and I did end up playing with them, I'd already played those songs hundreds of times. So. Who knew that my playing in my club days would pay off so well? You know, that's amazing. The you know the fact yeah. that you're playing those club, those clubs and playing the Scorpion songs, and then you know here you are now in the band. Dude, I know I, I could have played with anybody. We played uh, Judas Priest. We played Accept. We played everything. Iron Maiden. You name it. If anybody would have called, I probably would have got the gig. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So how did you get into music in the first place? Tell me about like your early days growing up. What what were you listening to as you were growing up? Well, man, you know, um, I was like nine years old, and my friend, my best friend at the time goes, man, come on, go to band class with me. I go, well, I don't play anything. He goes, well, start playing trumpet, because he played trumpet. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, yeah, we get out of class two days a week. I go, okay. So I talked my mom into getting a trumpet, and I started going to band class. Soon after, though, I saw this drummer play it at like a, uh, at a it was like a, kind of like a Walmart or a, a department store close to my house that was going out of business. It was crazy. They had bands there on the weekends. So I saw this drummer up close and like, wow, my mouth dropped and went, wow, that's what I want to do. So I, I mowed a bunch of lawns and I, I bought a little drum set for 50 bucks and just kind of got obsessed with it. And um, my father, though, also played Hammond B3 organ and uh, he played in like nightclubs and stuff on the weekends. And... Um, so it kind of, you know, there was always music around when I was young. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it just kind of evolved. And then I got my first band when I was 12. And, you know, the, our guitarist was 16. He was really old, but he could drop. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we played all, you know, Beatles and Eagles and all that kind of stuff. But it was really funny. We didn't really have any money to buy albums or anything. We had some 45s. But I still don't know where this came from. But we had a case of eight-track tapes. And in that case was about 12 or 14 eight tracks. 
and one was Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's, one was James Brown Greatest Hits, one was Led Zeppelin IV, one was like Jimi Hendrix Smash Hits, and a few odd, odd, odd ones here and there, The Who. And man, dude, I played to those those cassette, I mean, those uh, eight tracks over and over and over and over because that's all I had and couldn't afford to go buy albums. Wow. And you know what? It was kind of a blessing in disguise. You know, I, I must have played Led Zeppelin four a thousand times. <laughs> and it somehow it all worked. And then, you know, it's just one thing led to another. And when I was 15, I, I stumbled into this band and was going on the road. And my mom let me take off school for a year. And it's like nuts. <laughs> That's great. 15, yeah. being allowed to do that. That sounds amazing. Happy story, man. Oh, yeah. So you're self-taught then. You've, have you ever had any sort of like professional lessons? Well, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah I, well, like I said, I started on the trumpet and I continued on trumpet all through high school. And my band director would, wouldn't let me play drums because uh, he goes, only idiots play drums in the high school band. And um, he made me stay on trumpet, which I thank him for now. But no, I had uh, private lessons with a private instructor for like two years learning all the rudiments and stuff and he was really disciplined and he kicked my ass if i didn't do my work and you know it 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 was all paid off somehow and and i always studied and i you know did this and always tried to learn new stuff and blah blah what was it like the first time you got on stage then and you got an audience in front of you can you remember what that was like well the very first gig i did was at our guitarist's cousin's birthday party out at some park and, you know, there was probably like 30 people there, but we played three sets, man. And uh, I think we, we got paid something like $16. <laughs> and after gas money, we each got four or something ridiculous like that. But I think uh, uh, the first real gig gig I, I did was probably, uh, you know, like when I was like 15, this band, I mean, we were a cover band. We did originals too, though. And, you know, we played a gig. There was about a thousand people there, and that was a big deal. Oh, so, yeah. It must have been scary, surely. A yeah, thousand, thousand people in front of you. Well, it was weird. I was 15 and, and a little ahead of my time, I guess. Uh, and But the guitarist was like 22 and 24, and they all had beards and long hair. And it helped. <laughs> kind of my, my sister was dating the guitarist, so she would drive me to rehearsals and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's nuts. It just one thing led to another, and I was just obsessed with rock and roll, man. Well, let's go off on a little bit of a tangent. Of course, you are one. I mean, one thing you've got the the most amazing tattoo. <laughs> I was I was proud to see once again the last time I saw you. You got your rock oh. and roll forever tattoo. Yeah, it's, you know, it's I, I, some. I don't know what some people get tattoos. Whatever, I go every tattoo I get, it's going to mean something, and I put the biggest meaning on my back, <laughs> and that's my message. How long did it take to do that? It must have been, you must have gone through a bit of pain for that one, surely. Yes. Um, actually, it took like four, uh, four two-hour sessions. Whoa. So it, it was a little under eight hours. Um, but most tattoo artists won't work for more than two hours at a time. So yeah. we had to do it in sessions, which was fine with me because, man, dude, it hurt. Oh, not surprised. <laughs> worth, mm-hmm. worth the pain, though. Surely yeah. worth the pain, yeah. Because, again, I remember when you took your top off and like you, you turned around and you showed the tattoo to the audience. I mean, the, the cheer that that gets every time that you show that tattoo, it must be so rewarding for you. It, dude, it totally is, man. It was the best investment I ever made. And, <laughs> and uh, I actually trademarked Rock and Roll Forever, so don't try to steal it. That's worldwide. <laughs> oh, oh, good on you. Good on you for that. So you should. Now. What was it like the first time you went into a recording studio then? When was it? What were you recording? And what was the experience like? Um, Probably, like you know, when I was like about, uh, like I said, about 15. And it, it wasn't that that fun, I have to say, because I was really nervous. And, um, you know, I, you, when you've never been into a real recording studio, it's pretty intimidating. So I have it's it's kind of like the first time you have sex, I guess. It's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> but then the second and third time, it gets better and better. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of that kind of a vibe, I guess. And, and uh, you know, I, after that, when I got to be a little older, I mean, I had a band in uh, 11th and 12th grade. I went back to school and finished, actually. And um, we had a band called Nuthouse, and we recorded, like, you know, 14 songs, and we were so proud of it. We never made an album. I'm, st- I'm still bummed about that. Oh wow! It's really footage. But you know, I mean, it's I, not I, like I'm today. Really 
is, is there any footage or any audio of that band anywhere that people could like watch? I, I'm to? sure there is. I mean, if you if probably if you Google Nuthouse, I mean, there's some photos and stuff out there. I don't know if there's any footage. You know, me and uh, most of my friends, we grew up. We, we none of us were wealthy. We you know we could barely barely afford anything, and uh, um, and maybe that was a blessing because it made us work twice as hard. Um, but who knows what's out there? I mean, you, you can Google almost every, anything. I mean, there's, there's video of, of me in, in a band called Apex from 1982 or something. And I'm, do, we're doing an original I wrote and it's like, I, I just watch it and cringe, but everybody else goes, <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Yeah. How do you feel about like, you know, nowadays when whatever you do, it's online the next day, maybe within hours later, you know, you'll do, you'll do a gig with the Scorpions and then hours later, this clips of everything online how how's that for you well i'll tell you honestly um at first everybody's kind of complaining about it but for me i always look at it like you know um I, my motto over the years has always been you know every show is your last show i know that sounds cliche but i really honestly approach every show this is my last show because if the plane goes down then i'm going to be sitting in heaven or hell wherever i'm going to see <laughs> looking back on god i should have played harder you know and um but, you know, it, it keeps you on your toes, I think, more now than ever. Uh, you know, it's just amazing the what's happened just in the last 10 years. Because 10 years ago, that wasn't happening because you could hardly watch videos on your computer. But, you know, it's, it's an evolution. Things change and you go along with it or you get left behind. Yay. I mean, the same applies to like albums and everything, doesn't it? I mean, you've had such a a great recording history over the years as well when albums sold millions. And now we're getting to the stage where it's, you know, people expect stuff for free. They just want to click on it and expect it for free. What, what, you know, what's it like being in a band in this day and age when, you know, we've got people and a generation that are growing up expecting things for free like that? Well, it's it's really it's really kind of sad to see how the business, music business went. You know, I mean, it's just you know, albums sell a tenth of what they sold, you know, ten, fourteen years ago. And you know what's crazy is of the young bands who are coming up now. My son actually has a band called Bad Sons. That's S U N S, and and they're like they started you know writing songs and getting together. They were sixteen, seventeen, and they worked their butts off, man. And uh, they've uh, They've done really well in the last two years. Their album came out, and uh, they've toured with uh, uh, the 1975. They've toured with New Politics in America. Now they're headlining. They're doing great. Like, you know, they sell almost sell out House of Blues and stuff like that. But, you know, what's crazy, so they sound with Vagrant Records. It's like, I think, one of the, the number one independent uh, record labels. And, you know, their advance was like, I couldn't believe it. But the good thing is what they appreciate, they have total control over everything. And that's what they want. And they got a great percentage deal. But still, it's like the amount of albums they're selling compared to what they should be selling, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's painful for me to watch, you know. And uh, I know it's evolution, but, but the, what, what, the free music sharing is what gets me. Like, look, man, buy your music. You yeah. Know? That's it. That's it. I mean, I try to. I mean, I've got two kids who are fifteen and sixteen, and I, they look at me weird when I try to explain to them. Back in the day, you'd go out buying an album. It was an event. You'd go out, wasn't it? You wouldn't even. You wouldn't know too far in advance. You'd have to wait. You know, like a week or a month, depending on what music publication you were buying, until you heard about it. Then all of a sudden, a press release would come and go. Okay, the new album by right. whoever is coming out. You'd go out. And it was like you'd see you'd see the album sleeve and you'd pick it up. And I remember sitting, even right. sitting, the very first listen of an album was such. It was like a holy experience. You'd sit there and you'd right. you'd, you'd pour over the album cover while you put your headphones on and listen to it. It was just so different to what it is nowadays. I know, dude. And and you know, it's like I, I was never like a big record collector or whatever, but I always bought stuff, you know, because mostly on necessity we'd have to learn it for our club gig or whatever but the thing is that kills i mean i used to actually go to the record store and hang out because i had a couple friends that worked there and there aren't any record stores where i live there's not one in any of the malls there's not i mean you can go to best buy but it's a ghost town there anymore you know it's like it's 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 kind of sad sad in a way but it's evolution things happen you know and even some of the biggest independent record stores around the, the usa 
that I've, I've known have been there like 20, 25 years are closing their doors, you know, and uh, it's kind of bums me out. But at the same time, I love the convenience. No matter where I am, I fly, you know, I go, oh man, I want to get that Frank, <laughs> Frank Sinatra anthology. I just download it off iTunes, and there it is in seconds. That is, I mean, that is the other side of the coin, isn't it? It's like you know, you can walk around with like thousands of albums just in your hip pocket and listen to them. I know. You know what? I, I read a lot on the road, and I have my my little iPad Mini, and uh, I can either read it on the iPad Mini. I've, I've got like you know about. 18 books in there in my iPad mini or I can I can sit there and read it on my phone if I want how crazy is that you know because we're on the plane a lot but at the same time you have to pay for it and uh, that's what I think is fair yeah I think it's trying to get that message across to everybody especially like you know the younger generation now is you've you've got to pay for shit you don't expect shit for free is the main thing uh, you know a lot of these kids they just don't get it and the sharing thing is totally out of control, and, you know. And um, in some parts of the world, it's just it's just standard operating procedure, and always has been, you know, piracy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Eh. What are you gonna do, man? Well, yeah, it's tough. It must be, it must be really tough. But it must be, like I said, you know, it, it must be so frustrating, you know, for people like yourselves who are in bands and working so hard to get the product out there. Right. For then, you know, people at the end, you'll, you know, obviously you'll always have the hardcore fans, you know, like myself and obviously all the listeners to this show, who right. who just go, oh yeah, right, okay, it's 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 new product by Scorpions, we're gonna buy it, no matter you know the new. Right. CD, the new DVD, just give us what you yeah, want, man. and we're going to buy it. But then, you know, the the other ones that just go, oh, well, I'll listen to that. I'm going to grab it for free. Is yeah, it's, it's a pain. Well, what people don't realize, the entire system is broke now. Um, and I mean that literally financially and broke figuratively. And uh, because you know, it used to be everybody would buy albums, and the record labels had a cash flow. And they would take that cash and reinvest in new bands and develop new bands. And, and they, they had millions of dollars to give to young and up-and-coming bands. Okay, that's all gone now. You know? And, and that, that's why maybe there isn't as many great new bands coming up as there should be. Or, I mean, there are. There's, I'm, there's thousands of them out there. There's thousands of great bands. But there's just not these huge breakthrough artists that, you know... Like uh, I don't know, like a Guns N' Roses, or a, mm-hmm. I don't know who, who who to even mention, but um, and that's where where the system's screwed up for me. I, you know, they, there's no big investment in in new talent. That's it, because it was the '80s, wasn't it, when like rock music just exploded, you know, oh, and yeah. you know, and and I'll, you know, just record companies were signing rock bands left, right, and center, and releasing well, yeah. and paying all sorts yeah. of money for them. I remember just, you know, the early 80s and, uh, you know, and then uh, once Quiet Riot went number one, Heavy Metal, that was open the floodgates, man. And then after that, everybody was, it was just out of control. It was great. And uh, that, that paved the way for hundreds of great rock bands. And then, then that ran its course and here came Nirvana and the alternative thing and that ran its course. And then, you know, but what's crazy, what comes around, goes around or whatever that phrase is, who knew Kiss would be the biggest band in the world in 2015? I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's mad. It's mad, and me, you know, regular listeners to this will know that I'm a huge Kiss fan as well. And it's like, holy shit! Well, you know, it, it's just come round again and again. I know, and and you know what? It's it's awesome. But say, you know, I went, I saw Kiss in Hamburg about four years ago, and dude, same thing. There, there's kids nine, ten years old. There's guys middle age. There's older guys there with their teenage sons, and there's and it's just like it's a who knew Kiss would be a family event? And it is. It's crazy. But it's it's awesome to see that many people out supporting rock. But that's it. This is what I love. You know, you the band Scorpions, Kiss, Judas Priest, Whitesnake, Wasp. The list goes on. Bands that have got this longevity that just keep going and keep delivering. It's bands, you know, I was back in the late 70s, early 80s. If you'd have told me then, okay, it's going to be 2015, you're still going to be buying new releases from these bands you're still going to see them live on stage yeah. I, I, would, I would have said you, you know what a crock of shit there's no way that's going to happen but i'm so glad that it's happening i mean the rolling stones they were supposed to be dead 20 years ago it's like crazy <laughs> man but it's that's awesome you know it's, it just goes to sh- rock and roll never dies i mean paul, what's paul mccartney 110 now <laughs> <laughs> it's great man i just think that's awesome oh it is 
And I'm glad you mentioned Quiet Riot. And um, have you seen the documentary? You must have seen the documentary. No, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, wow. That, that is I heard it's really good. It's really good. I watched it just a few nights ago, and I think it's great. And, of course, Scorpions. You can watch Scorpions on screen as well, can't you? Oh, yeah. we Our movie. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, well, we started the documentary in 2009, and it was to document basically the 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 – the, the final sting tour, which started in 2010, 11, 12. And it, it documents that whole thing. And as the movie goes, we just, we just debuted it in, in um, Berlin at the Berlin film, uh, the Berlin film festival. And honestly, dude, it was great. Cause we've tried, we had three previous attempts trying to make a, this type of a movie, like a story of scorpions. And all three of them came out. Not good. This is excellent. It's called forever in a day. And it you it's funny you could see how things turn, but it's the story of the band from the beginning. It has great sense of humor, and uh, it's just an excellent, well put together movie. What was it like having cameras pointing at you, you know, all through that time filming it? You couldn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it's they're not there full time. They come out. They would come out basically over the three years. They came out maybe like fifteen times. Because it's like, how many times can you film the band going to, from the dressing room to the stage? Face yeah. it, and you know, the, the, the same with the shows. But I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage. It's really incredible, and very personal. A lot of personal commentary and uh, photos you would never see anywhere else. And we hope to have it out sometime within the year, uh, and like have a theater showing of it. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm super proud of it. I think it's awesome. Are there any plans? And again, I know you you may not be like within the in the in the sphere of everything while it's being planned. But are there any plans for like more Scorpions DVDs as well in the future? Because this is something that you know, talking as a fan myself, I just lap it up when you know DVDs and Blu-rays come out of bands that I love. You know what? I'm sure uh, we're so focused right now on the pre-production and the stage and the lights and all getting all that stuff together. That that will probably be come up once we get on the road they'll go oh yeah they're going to film and film this show or that show i'm i'm sure something will be filmed and uh so uh there there's always something will come out or who knows maybe a live album or who knows what or live dvd i mean oh, that'd be good the more the better i say yeah <laughs> yeah awesome. just going back to your recording history as well i mean i was looking the bands you've recorded with holy shit montrose you recorded an album with montrose yeah, and you know, okay, wait, okay, you mentioned, asked me earlier about recording experience. Okay, yeah. this, Ronnie Montrose, uh, real, let me back, back up, I, I have to stop you there, because Ronnie Montrose was such a huge influence on me, and he's my hero, and RIP, man, it was so sad to see him go. Um, but Ronnie Montrose, my, my, I had a band in, out of Louisville, Kentucky called Buster Brown, and somehow our manager hooked up with Ronnie Montrose's manager, Ronnie wanted to do a tour. Well, we had PA lights in a truck and everything, so we went and did like 25 shows with Ronnie Montrose all in the Midwest. So we got to be friends. And he was he was working on material for his new album. So after the tour, we get a phone call, and he goes, yeah, uh, he, want, he wants to hire me, the James, the drummer, and our singer to do his, new, his next album. Dude, I fell on the floor. I was like, Oh my God, Ronnie Montrose, because that was one album that we had in my house that was played to death. Mm-hmm. The, the first Montrose. Oh album. yeah, that's an amazing album. So man, he flew me and our singer out to uh, San Francisco. We did pre-production for about a week, went in the studio in a real studio, and recorded that Montrose album in about four or five days. And dude, I learned more in those da- four days than I had in fourteen years. Wow, that must have been incredible. <laughs> And he'd also produced our band, a few songs, but that uh, that changed my life. And when I'm actually, what was even second, the best part out of it, I moved to Los Angeles in February of 1987. And when I arrived, the Montrose album had just come out, and it was on KNEC radio in LA. And that opened so many doors for me because I go, yeah, I'm the drummer for Montrose. They go, really? And that's what <laughs> that's what led me, got me in Kingdom Come. Wow, I mean, because again, Kingdom Kingdom Come would, were really hitting the stride then, and you did a couple of albums with them, didn't you? In eighty eight and eighty nine. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I was there from day one. We started in, in May or May of 1987, and it was a cattle call thing. There was like 65, 70 drummers, and, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, get the spot. And, um, you know, and, and one thing led to another. Then we went and did the album with Bob Rock at Little Mountain Studios in uh, Vancouver. And, you know, we were like, okay, we got this album. And then it came out, and, you know, the whole Zeppelin comparison, which I welcomed. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was like overnight explosion, man. And our very first tour ever, where was it? England with <laughs> Magnum. Whoa. I know, dude. And, and man, I fell in love with England. That was the first time I'd ever been out of the country other than Canada. And man, dude, it was just awesome. Wow, that's great. I mean, I just, I saw Magnum again. Oh, six months ago for the last I can't believe dude what's crazy they're the nicest guys bob and 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 i, well, I think t- tony's the guitarist yeah uh, yeah yeah and dude they were back then back i mean I, i'm friends with them uh, i haven't seen them in a few years but back then they seemed ancient and now they're still <laughs> going it's nuts it is. I mean, I was lucky enough. I mean, they're, they're such good guys. I got a picture with all of them and met them and had a chat with them. And, you know, they're so good. And, whole, my God, they did, rocked the place. The whole, the place was heaving. And they can they can still do it. There's another band that, that is still rocking the world. I know. It's I, 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 could, I, I A couple of years ago, I saw Magnum's name on something. I'm like, going, they're still going? I mean, <laughs> Back then, they seemed like they were in 1988. They seemed like they were 60 years old to us. <laughs> when you're when you're 25, anybody over 30 looks old. You know? <laughs> That's but it. It's they true. Were great yeah. guys, man. They really treated us well. And you recorded, and I've got to say, I'll hold my hand up. There's a couple of um, albums you recorded. I've never listened to these. I've no idea. You recorded an album, Michael Lee Ferkins, and uh, you recorded two with Wild Horses as well. Yeah, well, Michael Lee Ferkins, uh, you, you've heard of Shrapnel Records, Mike Varney? Yes. Yeah, and he, I mean, he, you know, he discovered Yngwie, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, Michael Lee Ferkins was one of his discoveries, and this guy could play guitar like crazy. He was, like, from Omaha, Nebraska or something. And it was me and Jeff, Jeff Pilson, the bass player, who's now the bass player of Foreigner, used to play with Dokken. Mm-hmm. And Jeff and I were on a streak. We did probably about 16, 17 records in about three or four years. But the Michael Lee Ferkins record, I'm very proud of. It's instrumental guitar, but the guy, it's insane. It's a great album. And then uh, Wild Horses was after Kingdom Come finished uh, in 91. Uh, Keith Olsen, who had done the second Kingdom Come album, offered myself and a singer friend of mine um, the... Uh, a deal because we gave him played him five song demo and he goes this is great and he got us a deal with atlantic records right away and um so keith we did the album and uh you know we did two albums but i was really proud of that it just didn't you know i think it went nickel or it went might have gone tin somewhere <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, it was really fun and it was great you know i'm gonna have to check those albums out definitely yeah it's, it's man dude it's it's 80s rock and it's epitome you know Oh yeah, I mean the next two though that you recorded, I'm I'm very familiar with when you did the Macaulay Schenker Group album MSG, and then oh, yeah. yeah, and then of course you went to Warrant as well for Ultraphobic. What... You know Ultraphobic uh, before before you say anything is in my top five favorite albums I've ever done. That album is great. That is a good album. Ni- Nineteen ninety five. That's a great album. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know I spent about two years in Warrant, um, and I, you know it was a good time while it lasted. You know, what's it like going from band to band? Then you know, it's how, do, how does it feel? How long does it to sort of acclimatize yourself? Because it's not only a case of getting to know the songs; it's getting to know the people in the band as well. Surely. Well, you know what? I came, like I said, I came from playing in clubs a lot when I was young, like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And you know what? I was in the, when you're playing in the club scene. You know, back then we—I mean, I, we were making like you know 175 bucks a week, 200 bucks a week. But I always was looking for the next band because, oh, wow, well, they're making 250 a week. <laughs> Ooh, and they're making 275 So I always had my eye out looking for the next project. That's kind of selfish, but band guys are flaky. You'd always have some guy quitting because his girlfriend wanted him to. Or the, and nobody wanted to do original material. I was always the guy in the band going, well, let's do originals. Let's do this. And, but I always had my eye on the next project. And I always knew when to split from a band. And when the ship was going down and I did that and it, and I always 
knew that I, I, it, nothing was forever in the back of my head. I don't know why I was like that uh, because I was always wanting to go, go, you know, to the next biggest thing. So it was, it was a very common thing. So by the time I got moved to LA and joined kingdom come, it's like, I was really adept to, you know, getting along with other people and, you know, you know, tolerating their weirdo idiosyncrasies. Cause face it, musicians are weird, man. <laughs> and, uh, including me, but you know, I just always, I, I don't know. I, I've, I guess I was play, spending all those years in bars chatting to people and talking and, you know, BSing this one and that one and, you know, trying to pick up chicks and everything. It all kind of melded into one thing. So, um, and the thing is, though, by the time when I finally got to Scorpions, you know, the first year, you know, two years, it was like, okay, this is cool. Then it turned into a third year and a fourth year. I'm like going, wow. And then fifth, and I'm like going, sixth year. And this is the longest I've ever been with a band. And, you know, it, it's, you know when to stay and know when to leave. And with this band, I don't think I'll ever leave. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because, you know, I, yeah. I, I got into Scorpions in 79 and um, Herman, of course, who was the, the drummer then. He, Herman's a German. Oh, Herman's a German. He was, he was my Scorpions drummer. But again, in all honesty, James, it's like, you're now my Scorpions drummer. You know, you've been oh, there, you, thank you. You've been there for so long. I've seen you live so many times. You've played on so many great albums. It's you, you've really thank you've you've made that position your own now. Well, thanks. And you know, I have to say about Herman, he's he's a really good guy, and uh, he befriended me on the Kingdom. We did the Kingdom Come uh, Monsters of Rock tour. We did an indoor arena tour with with uh, Scorpions as well. And he was always just a really good guy. And actually, when he was he chose to leave the band. Um, his first suggestion was, he said, you guys should get James from Kingdom Come. And then, of course, but if you talk to Matthias, Matthias goes, oh, yeah, it was my idea. <laughs> and then if you ask Rudolph, he goes, no, it was my idea. I said, let's get James. So I'm flattered for my, but Herman's a really good guy, man. Oh, he is, yeah. Good, good drummer, too. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you've got your own, you've got your own band as well. We haven't even mentioned that yet. Oh yeah, well, I, well, yeah. I've I've had originally it was called Crunk, then uh, I ch I changed the name to Kotak because the record label in Europe uh, begged me to do it because Scorpions is famous and your name is so. And I was like, oh no, I gave them a list of fifty names and they said no. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I reluctantly changed that. But here we've got four albums. Uh, the first album was called Greatest Hits. Second album Therapy. Third album Rock and Roll Forever. Fourth album Kotak Attack. And you can get them at my website, which is www.jameskotak.com. That's K-O-T-T-A-K.com. And I think you can get them on iTunes as well. But uh, either way, man, if you like uh, Cheap Trick meets Green Day on a bad day, you'll love <laughs> my music. And that it's just, it's, you know, it's, if you're in a bad mood, put it on. If your dog died, put it on. It'll lift you up and you won't be all bummed out. Because it's a really good, it's good time. But punky pop fun music. It is definitely. I've been listening to it the it's last nice. the last few days. And yeah. for, for anybody listening to this that doesn't realize, and we've been talking about James on drums all the time, your guitar and vocals. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I write everything on guitar. I mean, I really suck, but I I can play enough to write. And but the best part is when I play live, I look really cool. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, seriously, I, I'm really not that good on guitar. I can play all the bar chords and stuff, no leads. But it's fun, man. It's a challenge to get out there. I, you know, when playing live, because we've done multiple tours of Europe, Japan, and all over the States. And it's just a thrill to get out up front and do that. It's a challenge. And I get nervous like I used to get nervous when I was 15 years old playing drums. So, but with, with Kotak, I put that on kind of on the back burner because I'm focusing 100% on Scorpions and... Uh, you know, it's it's what it is. I, but I, I'm very proud of those four albums, and I hope to do another one soon. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask then. You know, yeah. are there any plans for any more albums from Kotak you know, as well? As a songwriter, you're always writing, um, and that's one of the other things. You know, with Scorpions, when I joined the band, I'd already kind of started Kotak, Crunk, and um, but I knew my songs weren't for Scorpions, mm -hmm. and. Uh, but as a songwriter, I was always right. I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, you have to have an outlet. So this was my outlet. I'd do that and put an album out. And, and 
it was a good outlet and stuff. And I, I have some co-writing with, with quite a few Scorpion songs as well. But my forte was was that kind of pocky punk, pu- pocky punk, punky pop <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and uh, it was it's fun. It's just you know I think it's important as a musician to always keep busy and do something new or, or challenging. You know, and it, it doesn't mean that it's financially successful, but it's rewarding as an artist. Oh yeah, and it must be such a different experience as well to be like front and center on stage on the live gigs than behind Dude, the drum set as well. And it's a blast. I really enjoy it, and I'm, I actually miss it right now. But, you know, that that's what makes you look forward to things when you miss it. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got one more thing to ask you as well, James. And I yes. did, I was not aware of this. I was really not aware of this until I did a bit of reading about you t- the other day. Oh. Uh, okay, so you're, you're featured in the book Sex Tips from Rockstars. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now, this is a book I haven't read. It piques my interest now. I've got to buy it. And I, I'm sure listeners all around the world are going to say, what sex tip did James give in this book? <laughs> well, I, honestly, it, it, this came about because this is a guy that, that I think he ran the, the Motley Crue um, fan club of Australia or something. I don't know. And he got a hold of me and me and Athena somehow. And um, he uh, I don't know. So he, he he sent me these questions. And I mean, I looked at the 20 questions. I go, well, I, I'm married. I can't answer these. <laughs> what's your best tip for picking up a, you know, what's your best, uh, you know, going down. A, so out of those, I ended up answering maybe about nine of them because I mean, I, I you know, I was almost embarrassed about some of them, but I, I contributed and it was fun. So <laughs> I'm going to have to have a look at that. I am going to have to have a read of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I forgot all about it. It's, it's been a couple of years since I think it came out. Funny. So what's next for you? What's the next few years hold for you now, then, James? Um, well, um, we start this tour, and I'll, we have dates through, I think, May of 2016. So, I mean, we have breaks in between. We got like, a, you know, like 20 days off here, you know, 15 days off there, 12 days off there. The whole month of December is almost off. So we're not just constantly going, going, going. We all have families and stuff. But... Um, you know, we're going to really, really hit it hard, man, over the next couple of years. And we're excited. You know, we're giving all the old songs a facelift, brand new set list, brand new stage, brand new everything. So as far as Scorpions goes, that's that. Mm-hmm. Another thing I've been involved with, um, uh, my wife and I got divorced in 2010. And this is crazy. But uh, so about a year later, she got a TV show. Her, the ex-wife of Vince Neil the ex-wife of Janie Lane from Warrant, and the ex-wife of the bass player from Warrant. <laughs> and it's called Ex-Wives of Rock. <laughs> oh. And it's, it's a reality TV show, and it became, like, number one in Canada, and it just took off. So I was involved in season two and three of that, which was, like, a lot of fun. It's like doing therapy, man. It's, <laughs> it's really brutal. I get beat up, and I'm kind of like the guy you like to hate. But that was fun, so I'm involved in that. There's going to be a season four, it looks like. And... uh you know, I've got some other things, you know, here and there. I, I, and actually, one other thing that happened was when we did the old, um, the announcement of the Farewell Tour, you know, I got together with Carrie Kelly, the guitarist from Alice Cooper. We formed a thing called Project Rock. It was me, Carrie, Rudy Sarzo from White Snake, Quiet Riot, Teddy Zigzag from Guns N' Roses, and Ted Ripper Owens from... Uh, oh, from- wow, yeah. And dude, we, we toured Russia like twice. We went to Mexico. We, we played in Europe. And we, uh, things were up and running, but then last January, and I was also doing a Kingdom Come Reunion and my Kotak project. Then last January, Klaus calls and goes, uh, hey, James, you know, uh, you know, maybe you might want to think about not doing those because it looks like we're going to do a 50th anniversary. <laughs> I'm like, well, now you tell me. I mean, dude, I've got three projects, that, you know, and there's like 20 different people involved, promoters and everything around the world. Look, I didn't complain. I just said, all right, Klaus whatever you want to do and i'm 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 so fortunate i mean i'm not gonna go what Faust? he's the best guy and and, and i'm uh, i want to say again i'm just thrilled to death i'm so fortunate to work with a bunch of great guys you know that's not ass kissing that's the honest to god truth he's you know it's very rare you get a band like that oh yeah i mean my love for scorpions just like knows no bounds and myself and a good friend of mine that i've known for oh wow like 40 odd years now we've always said um we've got favorite bands and i'll tell you now our our favorite band is kiss but 
We okay. Let me. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you, uh, Dave. Give me your top five favorite bands. Oh my God. Okay. So I'd say oh. Kiss, Kiss is one. Scorpions is two. Oh. Um, You're just saying that. I'm not saying that. And I'll you, tell you say what, that to all the I'm not. <laughs> I will tell you why. I'll, I'll put a bit of flesh around the bones in a minute. Uh, <laughs> Scorpions is two. Judas Priest is three. Yeah. Uh, probably Wasp is four. And Twisted Sister five. Wow. You're hardcore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we've uh, always said, myself, and I'll name check him, Ike, he'll love his name, said, you know, while I'm talking to you, because he's, he's like massive Scorpions fan, you know, like myself. We've, we've always said that Scorpions are the best music to play in the car. We don't know why, but if you're driving, you put Scorpions on. Yeah, you put on Love Drive. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you get it. <laughs> well, I hope, uh, I hope you get a chance to hear the new album. Will do. Oh, of course, yeah, I buy everything like Scorpion's release, so yeah. Well, that's very cool, man. It, it, what's great, you know, you, you, are, you just sound like a true, first of all, a true uh, fan. Now, now you're my friend, of course. But then you're, you're like a true rock and roll connoisseur. And guys <laughs> like you are getting, it seems like it's getting less and less. And I, I, that... I I appreciate that so much because uh, you don't you're it's not as I don't know it seems like in be, days before the internet like you'd run into all these guys who wow oh, write for Kerrang and I write for this one and that one Metal Hammer and they're like they knew their stuff every single album track from this like Eddie Trunk or whatever mm -hmm. and it's just insane and you seem like one of those guys so that's oh cool. yeah oh yeah love it love it and it, you know which is good why I love you know like. Like you know, guys like yourself are just keeping this music alive. It's so good for me and, and everybody else too. Cool. Well, unfortunately, I can't get to the festival that Scorpions are doing in Kent. But I was, I was just going to say, dude, we're play, playing there. You're it's, playing uh... that. I can't get to it, but I am going to say I'm going to put you on the spot now, James. If and I hope, fingers crossed, and I'm sure you know millions of others are the same with me, especially in the UK, that if Scorpions get to do a, a full UK tour at any point, if I hit you up, if I could just you know, meet you, shake your hand, get a picture with you. That would just make my day, James. Dude, if if there's a show book anywhere and you want to come, just hit me up and you're 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 on the list. Passes, come see me, and we'll hang out. I'll will definitely take you up on that, and I look and forward dude, I, to it. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not just saying that. I, I'm a man of my word when it comes to that. I will definitely make sure. Or you know, if you, you see a show over here in Europe, just you know, take the channel and pop over. Yeah, I should do. I've not seen a gig over. There. Like in Europe, outside of the UK, I should do that too. It's not too far away now, really, is it? Uh, it's it's just across the channel. <laughs> you could take the channel. <laughs> well, what I'll do on the podcast notes on our website, obviously, I'll put all the ways and means that people can follow you and Scorpions or Facebook, Twitter, websites, all this. Um, and I, everybody listening, I thoroughly encourage you to do so, as you've heard over the last hour with myself and James. If ever there was a guy that you want to follow what he's doing, Here's one for you. Come on. <laughs> well, thank you. And you can hit me on Twitter at J Kotak, K-O-T-T-A-K. You know, Facebook, Facebook, uh, VK, if you're anywhere in Russian or want to join. And, of course, www.jameskotak.com. And, uh, you know, I'll see you out there on the road, man. We'll do. We'll do. I, I keep in touch, James, as well. You know, however, you know, we can help to promote whatever you, you're doing, Scorpions are doing, anything you're involved in doing, we'll gladly do so. Dude, thanks so much, and uh, have a great day, and, and rock and roll forever. Oh, definitely. Thank you, James. Hi, <laughs> on. See you soon, man. I did. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And there we are, the end of another show, and wow, what a great guest James was, wasn't he? Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm sat here with every bit of me that can be crossed is crossed just in the hope that uh, Scorpions come and do a full UK tour. I mean, we did chat about they're going to do the uh, festival date this summer, but come on, I'm sure UK listeners that listen to this show, the chance of Scorpions doing a full UK tour, the chance to see them more than once, go to a few nights back to back, that would be amazing. Uh, and James, if you listen to this, I'm going to hold you to your word. Uh, come across and I will happily meet you backstage. It would be incredible to meet you and the guys that I've been a fan of for so many years. And again, like I said, it's, it's rocking more than ever. Bands that have got this longevity and still going is amazing, absolutely amazing. I'm so glad that Scorpions are still on stage, still producing new music. It's, it's just fantastic. Uh, so please visit James's website. 
follow him on Twitter. All the details for doing that will be on the 60 Minutes With website, which you can go to 60minuteswith.co.uk. Uh, you can also follow the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash 60 Minutes With. Uh, follow on Twitter, which is at 60 Minutes With. You can also email us, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. There is also a contact form on the website, should you wish to get in touch with us via that. Uh, iTunes reviews, always most welcome. I'm sure after listening to 60 Minutes with James and having a good time, if you want to spend, you know, one minute or two minutes and leave a good iTunes review or just a rating, however you want to do, that would be more than welcome. So I just I'm just want to end this. I'm still on the high from talking to him. Uh, just by thanking James for coming on. Uh, thanking you for listening, of course. And uh, stay subscribed. And we'll be back with the show very soon. Thank you. 